You're listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer with Gina Militia, one of Australia's leading portrait celebrity and lifestyle photographers. With over 25 years' experience in the industry, Gina is a pro photographer who regularly travels the world shooting for some of the country's top magazines and advertisers. She is author of four best-selling books on photography, runs workshops and mentors aspiring photographers all around the world. In conversation with journalist, interviewer and budding amateur photographer Valerie Koo, Gina reveals what it takes to build a successful photography business, provides a sneak peek into life behind the lens and talks about her tips and techniques to get the perfect shot. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 248 of So You Want to Be a Photographer. My name's Valerie Koo and I'm here with Gina Militia who has been jet-setting around the world in Sicily, doing awesome things, doing photography, mentoring some wonderful people from the gold community uh, in Sicily. It's just very, very exciting, your life, isn't it, Gina? <laughs> I've just come off a lazy 40-hour flight home, Val. <laughs> it wasn't 40 hours in the air, but there was a lot of different legs and stopovers, so it kind of was door-to-door. It took me 40 hours to get home. What could you do in 40 hours? Like a we lot, live far a away, long don't time. We? we live a long way, and mm. I have to say that if you cut me open a vein now, I would bleed cheese <laughs> because oh. I have eaten so much cheese in the last Jeez. few weeks. I, you know wow. what? If what that, kind of cheese? What's your Every cheese? kind of cheese there is really? under the sun. Sicily make mm. amazing cheese. And if I had my way uh, and I kept saying this to Calm, she'd be like, okay, so what are we going to have today to eat? And I'm like, cheese, cheese, <laughs> just more cheese. I love cheese. I love cheese. I love It'd cheese. probably be my last meal. And it's my go-to yeah, right. snack of choice. Always savoury yes, over yes. sweet. Wow. I've had many and cheese platters course, with you, Val, too, haven't we? Oh, so good. So good. So Gina mentioned Calm, who is Carmel, who actually organises these um, photography tours in Sicily, and that's what Gina has recently returned from. Yeah. So how was it? It was amazing. It was just like um, we had a blast. The weather was fantastic. I love showing off my beautiful island, as I like to call it, of Sicily. And uh, Carl Ruggieri did a fantastic job looking after us all and keeping us fed. And then, you know, we planned all these uh, amazing locations to take the photographers to. The thing about Sicily, as opposed to the rest of Italy, is Sicily has all the all the the history that Italy has, all the beautiful monuments, all the amazing villages without the tourists. So you can virtually go anywhere. Really? And yes. And like there were villages that we walked into that that like you, you you'd almost um, see the people whiplash around going oh there's strangers here who are these people <laughs> and uh, a lot of the villages are just full of like older the sort of older generation still dressed like it's post war Italy uh, so you get these amazing characters in these gorgeous locations it's just like it's Disneyland for photographers so. Uh, wow. we, we all had a blast. Uh, the other thing, uh, Val, on this trip is I mm. had just bought a new Fuji mm. X-T3 with my own oh, coin. Yes. 
Uh, and this is not sponsored. Not at all sponsored. So um, as uh, many of the regular listeners to this podcast know, I am uh, I shoot commercially with Canon, not sponsored. I bought those with my own money as well. And <laughs> for uh, fun of late, uh, probably in the last out of photos or anything like that. So I like that, that, that you can walk around and be discreet with this camera. Um I love uh, the resolution. I, I did uh, like wide shots, detailed shots, and it's it's almost on par with my 5D Mark IV and there's about a $2,000 discrepancy in price. So the Canon 5D Mark IV uh, is about uh, $2,000 dearer and yet the file sizes are on par and the amount of detail you get. Uh, as I said, it is a very, very sexy design with the sort of retro mm. fit out that they've given it. The water seal, definite um, plus. So that's what makes it a little bit more expensive than the X100F and the fact that it's got the interchangeable lenses uh, makes it a little bit uh, more expensive. Uh, and then the one of the biggest pluses with this camera and the fact that it's mirrorless and the X100F is the fact that you can shoot uh, very high sync speeds because it's got the leaf shutter. So you're not limited to uh, one two hundredth of a second like I am with yeah, the uh, please Canon. Do. So they're all the pros. Uh, really enjoyed shooting with it. The fact that it's so light, you know, I almost feel like I'm cheating when I'm using this camera. And I, I said like it's an honest uh, review, so there are some cons. One thing that, that I was disappointed with was in um, – when I, I, I like to uh, shoot for highlight detail, so I'm often underexposing my mm -hmm. shadows and then opening up in post-production, I noticed a lot more noise than I would with the Canon. And it, I'm kind of being unfair. All I have as a comparison, the lowest level camera I have is the Canon 5D Mark IV, $2,000 dearer. So it's kind of unfair for me to be comparing those two bodies. Mm. So, But th this is one thing that I noticed that I was a little bit disappointed mm. with. I'm not going to say that uh, th that's going to be an issue for me. I will keep tweaking and it may be something that I'm doing in my settings, but that, that was something that did stand out early I'm like wow that does seem to pick up a lot of noise and the other cons for me are just in the design when you've got a camera Fuji when you make a camera that is this sexy there are a couple of things that I would love uh, to to improve on the design the straps for a start you get wow. this kit that you basically need to be a member of Mensa to work out how to attach the straps. I'm serious. And this goes for all camera designers across the board. Why is it that when we're dropping 2000 plus on a camera that we then have to attach the own out, the straps to the camera ourselves? And it's usually like this flimsy little bit of metal that attaches to a bit of leather that you have to cross yourself on the first full moon, take four steps back, pi minus sine over cos squared tangent to attach the thing. And I actually had... Uh, one of the members of the gold community who was on the uh, tour with me helped me uh, do that because I couldn't work it out myself. The second uh, design floor, the lens cap, is absolute shite. Shite. Shite lens cap that, that doesn't fit properly, that falls off, that, you know... Fuji, it's a very sexy camera. Don't don't be doing that with the lens cap. That's that's like oh, it's so disappointing. Um, 
The other thing, uh, and I've had this, uh, I've always complained about this with uh, Fuji, is the, the colour. It's not there. It's not like what I get with my uh, Canon files. It's a simple tweak in Lightroom, but I would love my files to look great straight out of camera. So that that's uh, sort of a, a, a downside to that. And the other one, and it's got nothing to do with yeah. Fuji, it's the fact that the camera, the software manufacturers are kind of haven't caught up with the, all the new file systems. So um, the file handling in Lightroom isn't quite there yet either. So, But aside from all that, I, I um, have high hopes for this camera and I've only really been using it for three weeks and I'm very excited and I, I will continue to use the Fuji systems for my street photography and when I travel uh, it'll be my go-to camera. I'm not ready to um, make the jump yet for commercial work. I will stick to my Canon uh, cameras for the commercial <laughs> stuff but definitely uh, if you're a street photographer portrait photographer and uh, I dare say weddings as well I, I think this system is um, pretty sexy and a, a lot of fun to use so that's my uh, very honest review Val <laughs> that is a great review and so helpful for anyone who is thinking of getting the X-T3 so um, yeah you don't <laughs> hold back Gina so thank you for that um, now we also want to give a big welcome to all of the new gold members in the gold community. There's been quite a few of you who've joined recently and it's fantastic to see some new faces and uh, people from all walks of life and all different countries. And if you want to find out a little bit more about the gold community where you can get critiques from Gina and also mentoring and a whole heap of tutorials, have a listen to this. Hey guys, are you an enthusiast or pro photographer who wants to take their photography to the next level? I'd love the opportunity to work with you and I want to introduce you to my Gold Community. The Gold Community is an educational resource where members get access to photography courses and regular tutorials. There's over 200 tutorials with more being added each month. In these tutorials, I take you on set with me and I share my thought process behind scouting locations, posing and directing models, lighting and post-production. You get to see the entire shoot from start to finish, from surface in Sri Lanka using a single speed light to character portraits on the streets of Sicily using daylight or high-end studio shoots where I share all my posing and connecting hacks. There's also regular photo critiques, monthly live calls and heaps more. As a member, you'll also have access to my exclusive Facebook group and online forum where you'll be able to connect with other members from all over the world. So what are you waiting for? Join the Gold community today and start taking the kind of photos you've always dreamed of. You can check it out at ginamilitia.com. Well, I am sure that in your uh, on your trip to Sicily, the people who attended just got a massive download of some pretty fantastic information and knowledge and wisdom, right? So, what are some of the key things that uh, you know, and key insights into the trip that you think that uh, the participants got out of it? 
Well, um, I, I wanted to uh, break it down so that the listeners could get the, some of the key takeaways that uh, we all learnt on, on the trip. So what I did, Val, is uh, I broke the, uh, the days of the tour into sections and okay. um, so that uh, everyone could go home uh, really understanding uh, lighting and light and uh, posing and directing and post-production. So uh, what I want to do is uh, break down the, the key takeaways here for, for everyone listening so that uh, when you're doing uh, shooting on the run, uh, you know what you need to have in place to be able to do these shoots. And uh, some of them are not technically based. It's about uh, who you are as a person, Val. And, uh, you know, we always talk about this podcast. It's more than photography podcast, but there are a lot of things um, that hold people back uh, that if you learn to overcome these things that you will become a better photographer. And I think one of the biggest uh, lessons that the uh, students on this workshop uh, learnt was uh, develop develop their confidence, and um, we talk. I talk a lot about fear and uh, overcoming fear when you, particularly when you're shooting portraits. And I think um, fear uh, will kill more dreams than lack of ability or failure ever will. So it was overcoming mm. and developing that confidence to actually. Uh, know what a good location was so we really broke that down and understanding what like what is it that you're trying to say when you're doing a photo shoot what are you looking for in a background and that's going to and and um I have done in the uh, upcoming headshot course there is an extensive tutorial on uh, breaking down the uh, a photo shoot in terms of what you're trying to say and that's going to influence the style that you shoot in and the background that you choose so like for example if you're doing a, uh, a LinkedIn headshot for someone you're not going to choose say a, uh, a, a jetty as a background because it's going to confuse the viewer you want something clean and simple so that you can really unless uh, you run a boat marina unless you run a boat marina so you want to think about what the portrait is saying about the person and even if they do run a boat marina maybe that's not the that's and, and you're a business person it might not be the ideal background for a shot because it can also be a, a bit too busy. So um, you want to think about whether you want a simple background that just highlights the person or whether you want to do more of a character shot that the, the background actually supports what you're trying to say about the person. So we did a lot of work about that and also developing that confidence to get over your fear of approaching people. And I think that that's the big one. And, and that is just knowing that... Um, People may say, like, if you're approaching a stranger on the street to photograph them, uh, they may say no, but they might always also say yes as well. And I think, I I think um, the the sum telly uh, for the week in terms of who got the most knockbacks, I think it was me in the end, right? <laughs> so uh, if you can approach someone with confidence and be charming when you're trying to do street portraits like this the majority of people will say yes. So I think uh, overcoming your fear of rejection is a really big one. And so doing that inner work, all the work that you need to do to overcome fear of rejection, I think is really important to becoming a better portrait photographer. Yeah, absolutely. So um, that's, that, that's a very important one. It's a very hard thing to teach. 
Well, yeah, but we did a lot of work on that. And I think just by seeing me approaching people and um, maybe getting knocked back and going, well, that's all right. There's, there's, you know, how many billion people in the world are there? What is it? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> lots, lots of billions of people in the world. Like, of course, you're going to get knockbacks, but you'll also get lots of yeses. So you've just got to go, okay, that person said no. The next person will say yes. You might get three right. no's in a row, but then you'll get a yes. So I think uh, having that confidence to approach people and also having the confidence to uh, really think about what it is you're trying to say. So be very clear in your mind uh, what you are looking for as a background and how you want to position your person is also really important. Uh, the, the next one, and I think this is so super important. Well, is- before you move on to that, mm. I think also if, because not everyone necessarily has you in their ear being able to give them that encouragement or, or to witness you um you know, approach people and, and get knocked back and, and get acceptances. I think that if there are people who are listening who are lacking in confidence, um, it, it, it's not something that appears overnight. It's not something that suddenly you get to a certain level or standard or technical ability and suddenly you've got confidence. I think the only way for it to develop and build is if you do something, even if it's really small, every day or every week, that just slightly pushes yourself outside your comfort zone. You don't have to go all the way <laughs> if it freaks you out, but just do it, you know, a bit at a time. Do something that's just a little bit out of your comfort zone so that it's not going to stress you out too much, but it's just enough out that it makes you a little bit uncomfortable. And over time, your confidence definitely develops. Yeah, and we've, I think we've used this example in the past before, Val, but, but like even if it comes down to when you uh, walk into your local cafe to order your coffee, try and engage in a quick uh, conversation with the barista or with the person at the supermarket, even if it's a two-second conversation or just uh, smile at a stranger, which might be a big deal for a, a person mm. who is uh, very shy and it is confidence is a, a muscle, just like uh, getting a six pack. You do that by sit ups and not eating cheese, I guess. Uh, but but it, over time, the 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 benefits are you know cumulative. So the same with confidence. So you you try something once, uh, the sky didn't fall in. So you might have another crack the next day and maybe try and hold a conversation for a little bit longer. But definitely being able to engage with another person is going to help you with your confidence when it comes to taking a portrait sure okay what's next all right the other big big takeaway for everyone on the workshop was being able to know your gear inside out and also Mm -hmm. rehearse the shoot before you did it so rather than um, because what happens with everyone no matter what level you are when you're in the spotlight you've got someone in front of you you've got your gear set up it might be fill flash a reflector the camera that you're using if you haven't rehearsed that shoot and uh, something goes uh, wrong on the shoot you're going to lose it and uh, not get the shot and and sort of give up early but if you practice ahead of time and and do and know your settings inside out and then you approach the person 
and do the shot, you're going to have uh, much more luck in, in, in succeeding on that shoot. So uh, what I recommend to everyone, uh, I know I sound like a broken record, but this works, is to get yourself a styrofoam head because you don't want the pressure of even if it's someone, even if it's a good friend who's generous with their time, who's going to happily sit there and pose for you till the cows come home, till you get your lighting right, till you get your posing right, there's still going to be that inner voice that's thinking, I'm wasting their time or do they think this is lame or what do they think of me? But when you've got a styrofoam head, they don't judge. They don't judge you. So (laughs) you can sit there all day, all night. You can say whatever you want to that styrofoam head. It's never going to react. It's never going to get upset. It's never going to be hungry or grumpy or moody. And so just having that luxury of being able to... Do you to, talk to your... Do you talk of to course, Wayne? I talk so to Wayne, everything. Wayne is... I talk to Wayne. Wayne I talk to the animals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we have a conversation and uh, sometimes <laughs> then I will put moods, like I'll go, don't look at me with that tone, you know, because they, they have moods, <laughs> my styrofoam head. But I, I will do this when I get new gear. Like when I got the X-T3, I'm looking at it going, I don't understand how this camera works. So I'll pull out the styrofoam head, get the flash out, and then just practice. And you can take, you can t- have as many tea breaks as you like. You can go away and you can go away in a huff. You can have an argument. It's <laughs> like you'll always win. But it, it's the, it is that luxury of being able to do it in your own time frame. At four o'clock, you would be experimenting at four o'clock mm. in the morning because that's your yes. peak time, isn't it, Val? Yes, and, I'm and, trying to change that. But once you do that and you've got that confidence that I know that, at, you know, I can shoot at F3.2, I can at one two hundredth of a second the, the, in this lighting situation and then... Uh, ideally, you want to be uh, experimenting in the in the type of lighting setup that you want to be using for your shot. So, if you you are thinking that you're going to head out in midday full sun, then you want to try and experiment at the same time of day, so you've got um, similar lighting conditions for when you go out and do do your actual shoot. This having this confidence is an absolute game changer, and then you've got that person because when you've got a real live person in front of you you do tend to get a bit nervous and you do tend to forget things and everything goes out the window. But if you've done that experimenting, again, it's like this muscle memory develops and you kind of know everything intuitively and then you can focus on posing and directing that person and take all the sort of the techie stuff uh, off the table. You don't have to worry about that. So that I think for everyone uh, and there was a few situations where uh, the students didn't do that and then they would stop, go away, go around a corner where no one saw them and practice on each other, get their get their settings right and then come back and do it again and then they aced it and they got some fantastic shots just by doing that. Fantastic. Cool. All right, so what's next? So the other thing that I focused on in great detail was understanding lighting and so I think the mistake that a lot of uh, new photographers make is because there is so much information out there on artificial lighting, uh, a lot of photographers believe that uh, the first thing they need to do is to just light everything and I know for a fact that I did this when I started out and I thought that there was no way that I would be taken seriously unless I used 17 lights on every shot and I did. I lit everything, uh, overlit every shot that I did 
And uh, th- this was a, a big mistake because often uh, you don't need to light every every single scenario and often, often the daylight, when it's beautiful, uh, you can't match that with artificial lighting and that's good enough. But you need to be able to learn how to recognise good daylight as opposed to kaka light, technical term. The opposite of good light is kaka. And um, and understanding how to manipulate light. And so we did a lot of work on um, underexposing images, so exposing for the background so the skin tone would go uh, really dark. So that's when often um, midday or s- sort of a little later in the day, if you backlight someone, you've got this lovely hair light on the person, the background, you've got all the detail, but their face, the skin tone is very dark. But knowing yeah. how far you can take the shot in post-production, we were doing this, saving all the highlights, so you've got lovely detail in the highlights, taking that image into Photoshop or Lightroom and um, adjusting the skin tone in, in post-production and you get an image that actually looks like it's studio lit. So understanding how to manipulate daylight I think is a massive game changer when you're shooting portraits and having that confidence to, to in knowing what's possible uh, is also a big game changer. So you can either, uh, if need be, just shoot with daylight or you know how to manipulate light to add a little bit of artificial light to the shot. So there was a couple of scenarios that we worked with. We worked with uh, underexposing images or exposing for highlights. And so that works really well in uh, street photography where you get these high contrast images or in portrait photography where you can... Um, manage to salvage the background, get beautiful skin tones. And we also worked a lot with garage lighting uh, and manipulating garage lighting so that just by uh, turning the subject around so that the garage lighting is adjacent to them rather than facing them flat on. Right? You mean you, to their side? Yeah, so the garage lighting is streaming okay. into the side of their face. Suddenly you've got mm. split lighting. And then if you turn the face three quarters, you've got Rembrandt lighting. So one daylight lighting situation, and this is fantastic for, uh, say, headshot photographers where you're trying to get as many shots as possible for your client. So you can do a garage lighting where you're flooding them flat on with the lighting. So it's a nice flat, even kind of beauty lighting. And then just uh, changing the angle of your model so that the garage light is adjacent to them, you suddenly get like split lighting, adding a reflector to that, and you can fill in the side lighting and, and get sort of a bit more shape to the and balance out the lighting as well. And also tilting the uh, the subject's head into the light a bit more so you get more of a Rembrandt lighting. So um, that also was a a big game changer. And all these techniques that we talked about, we actually filmed uh, all of them. So if you're a gold member, uh, just watch out for those uh, tutorials because I'll take you through step by step. But that that, that garage lighting tip, three different lighting styles yes, with brilliant. one location. And all you need yeah. to do if you're a headshot photographer is find somewhere nearby, take a note of the time of day and also it's going to change um, at different times of the year because the, the sun's at different angles. But you find a spot and get to know it really well and you know that, okay, at, 
at two o'clock in the afternoon, the, the sun hits this spot and floods in through this direction. So I know that I can get my beauty lighting from this location and then I can change the angle and get split lighting. And then I can also change the angle again and get Rembrandt lighting. Each location, like, and this is something that you taught me, Val, to get the maximum bang for our buck is like each setup, you might get the model to put three different tops on. So you ask them to bring a yeah. blue, uh, a blue top, a, a white shirt and, a, you know, an, an orange shirt, whatever, but you get them to change for each location. You could get nine shots in yeah. one simple location that's they don't even have to move for. There's no even – you don't even have to change locations. It's all there. Brilliant. Nine yeah. shots. Very cool. So effective, so efficient. Mm. So it's under, once you understand how daylight works, it's a lot easier to mimic that daylight with artificial light so that when you understand how light falls off – and the different lighting styles, uh, all artificial light or fill flash or studio flash is doing is actually mimicking what daylight does. And when you can uh, mimic daylight, you'll get a far more natural looking shot. And a great lit photo should look, shouldn't look lit. You, you should be able to look at it and think, What's that lit? Is that daylight or is that? Yeah. It's hard to tell. The ones where you can, it, it looks lit, then you, you've kind of like not quite, not quite there there. So we worked a lot with uh, mimicking actual uh, daylight using different modifiers and we actually did this exercise where we uh, used all the different modifiers that we had from the very cheapest, which was uh, one of the participants, Kim, had managed to lift an airsick bag from her flight, right? No, and, and then they're just plain white bags and uh -huh. we used that as a modifier over the flash. We used that and it actually okay. looked as good as one of the most expensive modifiers and it's all about the angle wow. and how, how you use that. And we also, we used uh, MagMod. Don't Essex bags have writing No, they don't them? anymore. They're just white. They oh, used to. They okay. used to have... Um, uh, you put develop your, your photos. Yes, yeah, or they'd yeah. have ads for different things. Now they're actually, uh, I think they've changed their tone now and all the airlines because I, I lifted a couple from my flights as well. I didn't lift <laughs> them. I'm sure you're allowed to take them. Yeah. <laughs> like they're very expensive, sure. you know. It, it comes with, doesn't it? Uh, it comes <laughs> with the purchase price. So, uh, But they're just like white bags and if you – if you're not on a flight, don't worry. You can just go to where they sell donuts uh, yeah, or donuts. pastries and uh, or the, cronuts. The, or br yeah, the little the little bags that they give you with those. You can buy yeah. um you, you buy the donut, you eat it, uh, but you might get some <laughs> chocolate smeared inside, so you might ask for an extra one. Uh, they work beautifully. They're, they're fantastic yeah. diffusers. And again, think about it. The bigger the modifier, the softer the light source. So if you get a little donut bag, you're going to have a smaller modifier. But if you get like a big cake bag, so if you buy a cake, a large cake, you're going to get that large white bag. If you can get one of those, you're going to have an even larger modifier. So you'll have a softer light source. So worth experimenting And you just, you just attach it on with an elastic band or some... Yeah, or a hair tie, or a hair tie works as yeah. well. So you, you, even if you just, uh, next time you're at the supermarket, they, they sell like um, hair ties and rubber bands and things like that. Just make sure you keep some in your kit. And I think everyone should have a little roll of gaffer tape in their kit as well. And the other thing that I do 
is because um, sometimes the gaffer tape rolls are quite bulky to have in your kit. So what I do is I actually pre-tear off little strips of gaffer and I just I either stick it to my tripod or I put it on the top of my camera bag because the thing with gaffer is you can use it several times before it loses its stick unless, right. Valerie, you've got lots of cats and they get like they usually have yes. like a lot like, of cat hair stuck to them. <laughs> so that's the thing yes. you've got to avoid. So the, yeah, so working with all these different modifiers and it's just the proximity to your model and the angle of the light is going to completely uh, change the look of the shot. But you, we, we mimicked split lighting, we mimicked Rembrandt lighting, and we even uh, mimicked hard daylight and the way you do that is just with a bare bulb speed light and you want to make sure that you change the uh, angle of flash you can um, change that like a normal speed light uh, changes when the speed light is on your camera it'll if you're using a 35 mil lens it'll put out a, a light beam that is uh, equivalent to the the angle of view of the lens. So if it's a 35mm lens, the speed light will throw out a flash that's at an angle of 35mm. When you've got your flash off camera, you can actually change that angle of light and you can make the beam very, very narrow. So some speed lights will allow you to change that beam to 200mm, which means you get this very fine um, burst of light that comes out, which is very similar to hard sunlight. And so if you take that speed light, bare bulb, get someone to hold it up high away from your model and point it at your model and you shoot like that, you'll get a light that actually looks like uh, hard sunlight and that is brilliant if you've ever in a situation where, um, like I notice it, like there's some country, like in, in the UK during winter where it's often uh, very overcast, Melbourne certainly is the same, you don't get a lot of that hard sun so what if you get a, a client that wants uh, a look that looks like beautiful uh, a summer's day LA. and you've got this pea soup look. LA is like that as well, mm. right? Yeah. Well, here you can manufacture sunlight uh, yeah. just using a simple speed light. So knowing what the actual light looks like and how the light works, you can then mimic that light using uh, artificial flash. So that was uh, some of the takeaways uh, we got from lighting on the workshop, Val. When you use the um, donut bag, because you keep talking about the donut bags, um, is the point to use a diffuser like that that has some kind of structure on it so that it's almost like a... Uh, a paper light bulb or can you just put like some white material over it? Yeah, so white translucent material, a tissue also works and uh, there was one situation. Right, so it doesn't we have lighting. to have yeah. a structure. Yeah, it so doesn't have to have the structure of the paper bag is my point. You can just put material over the flash is yeah, what you're saying. Yeah, so if you have uh, like those, you know, disposable tissues, Kleenex, yeah. white. Disposable uh, tissues, aren't they all? <laughs> Oh, sorry. Well, there's hankies or tissues, yeah. So a tissue okay. uh, or tissue yeah. paper as well or trace okay, paper. Yes. Uh, so the idea is it's like um, it's got to be translucent, like a cloud. So, you know, or when you've muslin. got the, Yes. So when you've got the sun in the sky, uh, you've got bright, hard sunlight. But as soon as a cloud crosses over the sun, it diffuses yeah. the light and it actually scatters the rays of light in all different directions. And so that's how you get that flat, soft light. And so all you're doing with um, tissue or trace or donut bag is diffusing that light. 
Yeah, yeah. Okay. Clean right. tissue helps. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> so what else? Um and and finally the the biggest takeaway was uh taking your images to the next level there uh is learning good post production because that allows you to be able to do uh, a million other things with your shots. So not only uh, are you learning, uh, we, we taught how to like, color balance images and then editing so that you can edit your photos in a style um, that 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 is unique to you. Uh, you can also do lots of other things. So I, I we, we worked with the group on learning how to uh, shoot with the flash very close to the subject, which is how I like to work when I'm using speed lights is I like to have the flash right near the face so that it's soft and also gives shape. The problem with that is the flash is in the photo. So um, we taught what we learned how to do multiple exposures. So what I do is I'll take a shot where the flash is in the shot to light the person and then I will get the, the assistant to step out of the frame and take another shot without the light in the frame and then combine those two um, exposures in Photoshop and you can easily, using layer masks, remove that uh, the person. And, and once you get the hang of that, it's really easy. And I think there's uh, on my YouTube channel, definitely in my newsletter I've sent out um, uh, tutorials on how to do this. It, it's really simple and it, once it becomes part of your workflow, it's such a game changer to how you how you light. And I used to have to do this using a tripod. Uh, I've now taught myself how to do it using handheld and how to still get the uh, the images with um, you know in in the exact same spots. So I'm not losing too much of the frame. Massive game changer. We took that next level on this um, workshop where I lit groups of four. I think I did the most with six people using a single speed light as a group where I had uh, one person uh, photograph uh, holding the light on each person. So, I, that, so if I had six people in a row, I'd have an assistant holding the light on the first person. I'd take a frame and then they'd walk along to the next person, hold the light in front of their face. I'd take another frame all the way so that each six people, each of the six people were lit and then I merged those images in Photoshop and uh, using layer masks took the assistant out and you get uh, that final image and there's an example of one of the shots that I did with all the photographers on uh, the workshop uh, where they're all in a line and they're all lit using one single speed light and that for me is just such a game changer to lighting groups bit of extra work but the the result looks uh like you've got this multi-light setup going single speed it light. is such a great shot and of course we will put that shot in the show notes so then you can have a look at not only this technique but of the some of the people who went on to the sicily workshop fantastic yeah so speaking uh, of the yeah. sicily workshop gina yes <laughs> <laughs> you actually had a chat with some of the people who attended the workshop and go on yeah so we, I, I I got them all in a room and uh, we we sort of uh, talked about what their experience was like so I thought I'd share that with you guys now all right here we are in Scaliti Beach in the boardroom it might be a bit echoey because the dinner room upstairs was being used but uh, I'm with the members of uh, this year's 
Sicily Workshop and I'll get you all to introduce yourself. First up we have... Hi, I'm Karen from Switzerland. I'm Pauline from Melbourne. Carrie from Brisbane. I'm Kim from South Wales. Fantastic and uh, it's day five of the workshop and uh, we're a bit worn out. We've just done a little bonding exercise <laughs> together which was a lot of fun and uh, we've had a big week but what I want to ask you guys first up is how have you changed in terms of how you are as a photographer when, from when you came in when we first all met on Monday to today? Once again, you want to go first, Kim? Okay, um, just immensely. Um, I mean, when you look, if I look at my shots personally from, from day one and then look at how I'm shooting now and just the way I'm taking my time more, composing differently, uh, using so many different tools that you've taught me over the course of this week is, yeah, incomparable. Karen? Yeah, my confidence has grown immensely and um, we shot natural daylight the first couple of days and now I've learned off-camera flash, which was really a big thing because I haven't really tried that and um, the shots look amazing and I'm so happy. Fantastic. Uh, I would have to say my confidence um, is the biggest change and the ability to control a shoot rather than it just happening and then me walking away looking at the images and going oh my god why did I do that um, slowing the whole process down being able to direct people and um, just understanding how I can make the image look so different by exposing for shadow highlights skin yep. tones yeah yep. and that was Pauline and Kerry and my understanding Standing of um, incorporating light has grown to a new level. Yep. <coughs> and also just my confidence in, in backing myself and what I'm doing yeah. has grown a lot. Yeah. yeah. Fantastic. So let's uh, let's just talk about that confidence uh, thing first up. So um, I've been on all your cases about uh, slowing down a shoot and not being afraid to let ask people to do what you want them to do and pace yourself not rushing the shoot and also going into the shot with some sort of idea about what you want and also uh, we talked a lot about being ready for the shoot so um, I know that Karen and Kim, Kim you guys teamed up right yeah for an off um, camera flash shoot and you dive straight in at first without really practicing and missed a few shots and then what did you do to address that and, and what happened afterwards? So to set the scene, we'd just got out of our, out of our minibus and found um, a gent that we really wanted to photograph. Um, he was perfect, he had his dog with him. Um, we set the shot up and yeah, we did have to rush it a little bit because maybe we weren't as prepared as we could have been. So then we stepped into a laneway, an alley, uh, just around the corner, set the shot up with each other, practiced different exposures and everything on each other, and then went back and found some more models. So you got your exposure right based on what the light was doing on that particular day and had all your flash settings. And how, how does that change how you feel going into a shoot when you've rehearsed before you go in and you're confident that your settings are correct? 
How does that change how you feel? Oh, it's great. It gives you so much confidence yeah. because you know you're going to get it right. Yeah. And, um, you, yeah, you set it up and you know that's going to be it. It lights the same and bam, you got the shot. It's so exciting to be able to control the mood of the shot based on your flash as opposed to just relying on whatever daylight you have available or street light to be able to absolutely change the look of a shot from if within seconds is just incredible. So yeah, we worked a lot on how you can completely change the vibe of a shot. So when we all came together on Monday, we were focused, like I spent two days working with you just on daylight. And the idea behind that is it gets really complicated when you add flash if you're not understanding what your daylight is doing. And often, I know I did this when I was starting out, is I overcomplicated every shot and felt that I couldn't justify my fee as a photographer unless I lit the shot and I would often overlight everything. But if you're going to understand how lighting works, artificial lighting, you really need to understand what you can do with the daylight and often you don't even need to add flash. And I know Kerry, you did a cracker of a shot, was it yesterday, where you worked uh, with just with daylight and the way you positioned your model. It looks lit, and Karen, you also did that on day one, right? So, um, Kerry, do you want to talk us through how you did that? And I'll have all these images in the show notes. So it's the man in a laneway, and it actually, yeah, he's coming into the shadow, and it actually looks like you lit that with split lighting. What did you do for that? Okay, so first off, I found my location and what I wanted to create the scene of a person emerging so there's a lot of contrast in the shadows um, to create that sense of mood. And he was approaching up the hill and I just tracked him as he walked up the hill. And as he got closer and into the light, that's when it was really important to, to get him as he came into that. So, so I just stood there and waited and exposed for the highlights um, and just waited till he walked into my shot and got him. So, and then he cast a really nice shadow as well. So. So you did a lot of that. You would often go off on your own and uh, find a stage, basically, and uh, like a backdrop that you loved, and then you waited for your unsuspecting prey to to walk into that. Is that right? And you got some really good results. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the difference for me has been ordinarily I would shoot a person walking away, right? They would not see me. Yes. Whereas it's being flipped. And I probably have more shots of people approaching, walking towards me, so I'm getting their face. So what was the what was the catalyst for that shift in your attitude? Mm. Um, I I think just uh, I don't know. <laughs> I just did it. Just flipped. I wanted to be confident in what I was doing, and um, <clears throat> I don't know. I just did. You just made a decision, right? Yeah, I just... I we did have a chat about it. We I talked know. about it. And you made a decision to yeah. move forward and, and... Because there is these voices in all our heads that tell us that we shouldn't, shouldn't, should or shouldn't be doing stuff, right? And uh, there was a lot of fear going into the street photography. It's like, how do you approach? And I know maybe on Monday or Tuesday, all of you were incredibly tentative 
before you oh he looks good but oh he's gone now I won't ask him and now you're all you're on these control and you're just like running down the street after people when I let you go and I'm like oh my god there they are finding and I'm like they're approaching everyone fearless so I think that's probably for me been the biggest change in in what I've seen now Karen you did a beautiful daylight shot on the first day uh, of the fisherman do you want to walk us through how you did that shot and how because it looks lit but it's not is it it's daylight right and at the first um I, I took him and I exposed him perfectly and yep. it looked very boring so Gina was teaching us to just underexpose and then bring it all up in Lightroom and Photoshop and that's what we worked on and it yeah. was uh, an amazing difference. Yeah, and it takes it to the next level, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. So, and, and then you also uh, worked with the guy a lot to pose him and get and also bring out his authentic yes. uh, self yeah. rather than creating something else out of that. Is that right? That's right. And I noticed all of these... Um, lovely old man in Sicily they they just loved us and we got so many kisses and they just loved um, to be photographed and they were actually almost insulted if, if we had a group of men and we ex- uh, we wanted just one and the yeah. other ones were actually insulted like well me too you know so yeah. they were all very happy when we paid attention to all of them so it yeah. was very nice fantastic and so um also uh on on that working with daylight we, w- we worked on um using uh, working with backlighting and front lighting and exposing for highlights, as you were saying, Kerry, but also exposing for shadows depending on what you wanted. Pauline, how did you find that experience working with the daylight and increasing your confidence there? Uh, well, on the first day, um, we went down to the beach and it was harsh sunlight and we had to, you know, the, the brief was, okay, you've got a client who needs, I think it was a um, corporate headshot. Yeah. And this is your location. It was on the beachfront. Um, okay, find a location uh, where we are. So we had a look around and, you know, I think we're all looking for that bit of open shade, which was there was practically nothing. Yeah, there wasn't. So we sat, um, each of us posed on just on the seat and shooting into the sun and exposing for the skin tones and letting the background blow out. And yeah. And they just came out really beautiful. And so, it's amazing how yeah. far you can push it. And that's yeah. what I just wanted to show you. Yeah. Uh, what you could do if you allowed the background to go out and what the most important part is uh-huh. is the skin tone and yeah. how much that holds yeah. and you end up with if you shoot into the sky you actually end up with a shot that looks like it was shot in the studio mm-hmm. don't you mm-hmm. yeah. yeah and then um, we did a really uh, in-depth workshop on the second day at the winery where we found killer garage light mm-hmm. oh that's right Yep. Yeah, we uh, found the ideal garage light. Yes. But we also flipped that around and we managed to uh, manipulate the, the daylight there and the garage light just by turning the head. Mm. So does anyone want to describe how we did that with uh, using garage lighting as split lighting rather than flat lighting? Can you guys all remember that? It was a little while ago. Uh, I think we had the person uh, sitting... Uh, the location was... 
it was the entry into the wine room. Yeah. So you had the frame of the door around the person. Yeah. And instead of sitting facing out towards the light, so they're therefore flat lighting. Directly on the face, and so we got yeah. beauty lighting. So we had, um, we, we instead sat uh, sideways, so the light coming in hitting one side of the face. Yep. So um, we looked at making a really moody shot with split lighting, one yep. side lit, the other side deep in shadow. Then we had used the reflector to maybe bounce a, a bit more light back into the shadow side yes. of the face. Yeah. Um, and, and just. Yeah, manipulating daylight. Light. Daylight. Yeah. yeah. So, and we found that because uh, the in, where we had this garage lighting, where it, the the fall off was so rapid, and we talked about the inverse square law again, yeah. and we we had classic examples. So, the closer you are to the light source, the faster the light's going to fall off, and you're going to get this rapid shadow. So, we had a situation where we had someone just in the doorway lit them flat on and again it looked like a studio light didn't it it looked like a studio shoot with a black background so here again so in the two days we found two ideal high-end looking scenarios for shooting headshots and then a variation on that just by turning the body right Mm -hmm. yeah so that was the first two days and then we we went up a couple of notches and we started using the speed light so how was that experience working with run and gun shooting so single speed light lighting people so we did a couple of exercises uh in beautiful modica and i showed you a couple of things does anyone want to talk about that working with the speed lights and working with the you know what how about you kim how how did you find that experience for me introducing the speed lights was the game changer and whether we even on camera to start with and then when we started moving off camera and you could see what you could do and how you could light someone and vary the light on them was was really interesting and the tutorial you showed us as to how to light a group with one speed light yeah that again game changer right so yeah so what uh on on uh, a couple of nights ago, uh, I showed the group how I've been doing a lot with lighting groups with composite because I was getting frustrated whenever I was lighting groups. And actually, it's really difficult to get shape in the face. And often, how I would do it would was I would light uh, everyone individual as singles and then cut them out and make a group composite. And uh, so instead, what I've been doing is using a single speed light setting up the group and then getting uh, an assistant to hold the light and light each person individually and then you combine those shots in layers and then using layer masks you can mask in each different person so we actually did that as a group of photographers here uh, but we upped the degree of difficulty because we picked the busiest road in Monica to shoot on and we actually marked off where we were standing but we had to move out of the way every 30 seconds didn't we Um, and so but we actually managed to to get something and I didn't have a tripod for that one either so um, and we masked it all together so that and I also did that with a group of uh, Sicilian men uh, and I'll actually uh, we'll be creating a uh, in-depth tutorial for the Goldies to to take that through step by step so that was fun and then we we worked on a lot uh, we we did a um, a workshop on all the different modifiers, right? So out of all the ones that we used, we got to like we all had our different ones. 
I think my favourite, Karen, was your, in terms of how it was built, the Magmod. I was surprised at how good they were and just how um, sexy the setup was, just with the magnets beautifully designed. Are you happy with that? I'm very happy. Yeah. I discarded because we needed it for this trip and um, you put this um, grip over your flash, which yeah. is a magnet, and then you can just, within seconds, add. you can add your gels, you can add a grid, you can add the modifier and all on top of each other within like um, five seconds. And it's all magnetic and it's beautiful. It's, yeah, the, it's very it's, easy. It's, a such, it's the easiest and quickest system I've ever seen. And I'm, I'm seriously considering okay. using it. And we also played with a lot of different uh, uh, modifiers. And I guess with the cheaper modifiers have more moving parts. A bit frustrating. Who had one that they ended up hating in the end that they bought one? Yes. Yeah, the um, the large pop up. Yes, you didn't like it. Why? No, not at all. It was, was it an easy box or what was it in the end? Well, it looked sexy because it just popped up in one go. But why didn't you like it? The the grip to it, my flash um, with the transmitter the trigger, didn't yeah. really fit onto it right. Yeah. So and it was it kept falling off or turning and um, it wasn't steady. It yeah, it's a good system. Mag mode had one too, but it was a bit more expensive, so I I bought that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it goes to show that if if you're if it's going to be frustrating and take you ages to pull out the modifier and get it going, then chances are you're not going to use it. So you want the one that you're actually going to use. And Kim, you probably had the cheapest one and surprisingly the most effective. What was that? It was a sick bag. Yeah. <laughs> so you lifted that from the airline? Yeah. 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 So a, a, a simple um, free sick bag that you get on the airlines and also, I guess, uh, one of those uh, bags that donuts come in is exactly the same. So a white translucent bag. And we tested that against a a $500 uh, softbox uh, and then we had the Gary Fong, the Magmod and it was a pretty good result, wasn't it? It was really good, yeah. It was really good. It just goes to show what you can do if you don't have the many necessarily other tools with you that you can, yeah, improvise. Yeah. So what about the locations that we've seen today? What have been your favourite places uh, to shoot in? Any highlights? Hmm. Oh, they're all beautiful. The, the villages in Sicily yeah. are all stunning. Yeah. We've had so many different scenarios from surfers and fishermen on the seafront to really beautifully dressed old gentlemen in towns drinking coffees and then everything in between. And the street photography we did in Noto yes. was a lot of fun because yes. we had beautiful lighting polished floors yeah. for shadows and yeah. we were there at the right time so it's all been great in different ways I think. I like today's a cult of Girardi um, mm. because when I was shooting for the highlights it brought it all down it's just brought out the texture and the colour in the walls mm. yeah. and as people walk through the scenes and again mm. the high contrast and the shadows being cast from the buildings and people walking in and out of the yeah. shadows it was I really like that little village today. Yeah. yeah. Right. And uh, I think, you know, you um, explained to us when you're in a tourist location, yeah. which are often very picturesque. Yes. So you do want to photograph them. 
that you, um, you're better off going left or right 100 metres from the main road yeah. and into the quiet side streets and that's where you see the people that live there. Yeah. Um, you know, you haven't got tourists walking in front of your photos and uh, so that's pretty much what we did on every location that we went to. Yeah, and so many of the villages that we visited were not touristy villages so we actually were like it was like we were entering the wild west and we walked in and everyone's like who are these people that happened yesterday i think who are these people and uh and and that was interesting but we went to maybe three locations where there were popular tourist hotspots and we get there and there's thousands of people Mm -hmm. not thousands but it's crowded and we tested it three times it was two blocks away from the main drag and you've got the place to yourself. And it works everywhere. It works in every major city. So I guess, uh, yeah, that's a good takeaway. Because you did that in Venice, didn't you? Yeah. Uh, Kim? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and it worked then. So either, yeah, just that. Get up early is the one option. Yeah. Or if you don't want to do that, just walk a few blocks away from where everyone is and yeah. find your own scene. And yes. Wait and for it to happen. Have you enjoyed the food on the trip? <laughs> <laughs> Food has been top quality yeah. the whole way. Extremely abundant. Um, we eat a lot, don't we? Yeah, yeah beautifully um, described by Carmel and the wine, and uh, that's been a, a huge highlight of the whole trip. The food. Yeah, Carm from Sicilian Food yeah. Tours, who just actually should be mayor of Sicily. Yeah. She runs this place, doesn't <laughs> yes. she? Yeah. And I've never met anyone that knows more people. She know, she's known, she she's, she's actually a, a celebrity here, isn't she? Yeah. It's like yeah. everybody knows her, and uh, and then you go, who's that? That's my cousin. Yeah, everybody's her cousin. <laughs> everybody's her cousin. And uh, yeah, Carm's been an ama- uh, amazing on the trip, looked after everyone really well. <laughs> fed us really well, kept us in coffee, yeah. uh, and uh, that's that's all been uh, fantastic fun. Now, as it happens, you're all Goldies, right? You're all yeah. members of the Gold mm-hmm. community. Mm-hmm. How's it, well, that all going for you so far? Are you enjoying that? Um, extremely, yeah. It's um, been probably the main reason that I've increased my photography skills. So I only joined last November. And I've only picked up a camera January 2018. Yeah. So I struggled um, up until November um, when I joined Goldies, but it's been the best thing I could have done. Yeah. Fantastic. And Kerry, you've been a gold member since the very start. You're yeah. a founding gold member, right? Yeah, you're a golden <laughs> oldie. So, yeah. so how, how, how is the Kerry who joined in... 2016 compared to now how's your photography improved oh, incredibly yeah so it's just level upon level upon level so when i first started i really didn't understand even portraiture and lighting at yeah. all so to learn those basics but then to push myself and for you to push me in that to um to uh go that next level has been really incredible so as well as the support and connections they have developed within the community. So, um, yeah, it's been really good in the access to resources. And I think there's a tutorial too in there that um, helps. <laughs> <laughs> I've been on your case, haven't you? So every yeah. time I'm, I'm teaching something, I'm like, by the way, there's a tutorial on this in the Gold community. What about you, Kim? How, how, how have you um, found the Gold community? Since, oh, wow, since joining. So I joined, I think, last July time after listening to the podcast for a little while. And 
absolutely fantastic. I've been in there on a couple of occasions when I've been really stressed or I've had problems on a shoot. And not only have I had fantastic encouragement from other members, um, but also like spot on advice quickly <laughs> when needed from, from Gina. So yeah, it's, a, it's been a fantastic experience. And Karen, you're just a newbie, aren't you? You've only been with us for a week. Exactly. So, yeah, yeah. I, I guess just... you got the live gold membership yeah. <laughs> with the, this week on the, on the tutorials and yeah. everything. Yeah. And I can't wait to, because uh, I haven't really had time to uh, look. I just looked before we left and I thought there's such an abundance of resources and I'm so excited to get back. You're already and, uh, getting into the presets, I see. You're, uh, you found your favourites. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I'm really excited for that. I can't believe I waited so long, actually to join because I've been listening to the podcast and should have done that a long time ago. Fantastic. So uh, we've got to go for dinner now. So we'll probably uh, finish this uh, and go have like a lovely, go have a fish dinner, I think. And uh, we've got Calm waiting for us. So uh, it looks like uh, Calm and I are going to run a 2020 Sicilian photography workshop. So I guess if anyone's sitting on the fence, what do you guys say to anyone who might be considering doing this? They're on the fence. Do it. Just do whatever you have to do. Um, Get there because you will not regret it. And not only for photography, just the entire experience from start to finish, as as I think we can all say, it's been absolutely incredible. Um, Yeah, just do it. Every minute well worth it, definitely. Um, Fantastic value for money. Make it happen. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Thanks for that, guys. It's been an absolute pleasure working with you, and I'm really excited to uh, see what we uh, do tomorrow on our last day of the tour, and we'll go out and have a good night tonight. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Jenna. Thank Thank you. Thank you. That was so cool to have a listen to your chat with these awesome women. They were incredible women who I'm sure had a a fantastic time. It was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And I, if if you do get a chance, if listeners do get a chance to have a look at the um, image that Gina was talking about, it's in the show notes, which you can find at ginamilitia.com. It really, really is a great example technically of how to achieve this look and how to achieve that image. And um, it's a great shot. I'm just so impressed. I absolutely love it. Yeah, so high degree of difficulty difficulty with the uh, single speed light doing group shots, but mm. It mm. just really is such a game changer. And I think, you know, ideally don't do it on a, uh, a busy road where you have to keep <laughs> moving. But if you're just in a yep. like a, a field or a meadow, and honestly, you could use this technique if you set your camera up to tripod and it's just you, you could um, set your light up on a stand, put it next to you. You could do 15 versions of yourself across a meadow doing different activities using this technique it's so much fun Mm. even if you've got lego just practice using lego um (laughs) doing these uh uh techniques it's i think it's Mm. uh a really handy technique to have in your bag of tricks now also in the show notes are some awesome images from the participants of the sicily tour and um you can have a look at them they're really really good yeah they did a great job i'm very proud of everyone yes so much fun yeah. All right. So what is what are you doing, Gina, until we chat again? So I've got uh, CCs to record for the Gold Community uh, this weekend, so I'll be doing that. Constructive and critiques. Const- constructive critiques. We're also mm-hmm. uh, launching the 2020 uh, Sicilian Photography Workshop. So Brilliant. If, uh, you're 
uh, interested in coming along next year, it'll be June 2020, uh, you can contact info at Sicilian Food Tours uh, or just uh, if you've not subscribed to my newsletter, then maybe subscribe to that and uh, I'll uh, be making an announcement in that. And you also get the... Um, uh, presets, uh, the travel pack presets as a giveaway when you subscribe to the newsletter and uh, an ebook as well. So um, maybe check that out. And then, a yeah, great just back to work. Yeah. Oh, you've got um, Vivid this weekend, Val. That's right. So Sydney is just full of vivid fever at the moment, which means it's cold because it's winter. It means heaps of people are out and about because of the amazing light installations and music and talks that are happening all around the city. There are so many photographers that are out at Vivid capturing the beautiful, beautiful lights, which are on um, project being projected onto different buildings in Sydney, but also onto the sails of the Opera House. The Harbour Bridge is lit up every night. Heaps of the buildings around the city are being lit up every night. There's these incredible um, light installations and sculptures and public art all over the city. I was there last night and it was it's just absolutely fantastic. It's a great, it's a photographer's paradise. Um, but uh, yes, I do have, I'm a part of the uh, official program at Vivid with my other podcast, which is called So You Want to Be a Writer. So we're doing a live event called So You Want to Be a Writer, so the original, live event. Original. And, and you're launching your book, which again, I, I just like would love to be a fly on the wall at the uh, how you workshopped the title for that because it's brilliant, Val, and so original. What's the name of your book? So the name of the book that my co-host of the other podcast, Alison and I, have written is also called So You Want to Be a Writer. <laughs> I, I... And we're launching that at the Museum of Contemporary Art uh, at, as part of the Vivid, Vivid Festival. So it should be good fun. Fantastic. We well, sold out. Oh, you sold out. We've got out. a room full that's, of that's amazing. Yeah, 200 people. Excellent. Yeah, so it's going to be fun. Uh, <laughs> if any photographers are going along to Vivid and taking shots, please share them yes. in the podcast Facebook Do. group. I'd love to see it. I couldn't think of a better city in the world to uh, have a festival oh, like stunning. Vivid in because Sydney is so beautiful. The harbour's amazing. It is. And, of course, the podcast group for listeners is um, just search for So You Want to Be a Photographer podcast community um, and request to join. We'd love to have you in there. There's people from all walks of life, from all over the world, and it's such a great community. So where do we find you online, Gina? You can find me at ginamilitia.com on all social media and you can also find me in the gold community. So if you want to take your photography to the next level and be like the members of this uh, Sicily workshop who have just gone up like several levels and, and um, mm. there are like over 250 tutorials in there covering everything, everything that we talked about today, detailed tutorials on that. I'd love to work with you guys. So that's go to ginamilitia.com and click on join the community. I'm also in the podcast Facebook group. Uh, I think we should put a link in the show notes, Val, so it's just easier to find. What about you? You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Valerie Koo, that's K-H-O-O, and over at ValerieKoo.com. Thanks for listening, everyone, and we look forward to chatting to you again next time. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer. For more information, free resources, and Gina's regular newsletter on everything you need to know to become a successful photographer, visit ginamilitia.com.